Hey guys, Pete Mundo here. Thanks for checking out the podcast as always. Appreciate it. And please leave us a rating, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. If you do it, I will send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. Just send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much, guys. Enjoy the show. this with as much empathy as I possibly can in my body. I feel for Texas Tech fans this week. I feel your pain. I realize I don't share your pain. I did not grow up a Red Raider fan. I am a Big 12 guy through and through. I am not attached to any one more team than any others. But to be that close when you look back on this game against Virginia, and you say to yourself, and you look at all the moments, and yes, there were some bad calls, and yes, there were times when you thought to yourself, geez, ugh, I can't believe this went down the way it did. I get it. I really do. A tough loss to the Virginia Cavaliers in the national championship game, 85-77. to And I, I just think back to a couple of key moments, you know. I think back... The one that keeps sticking out to me in regulation, the three-pointer from DeAndre Hunter, because it was either, uh, was it Jerome or was a guy drives the lane as the Virginia Cavaliers are down three points with 15 seconds left. Guy or Jerome drive the lane, and I'm thinking, okay, quick two, foul, do it all over again. Instead, They find DeAndre Hunter in the right corner for a three-pointer on the assist from Jerome. I just got that confirmation, and boom, tie game. Culver missed the three-pointer, missed another jumper at the buzzer after that crazy turnover from UVA, and then an OT. You know, Tex got the lead early on after the Mooney three, but then it started to unravel. And, yes, once again, a couple of bad calls from the officiating. But, oh, gosh, that one is going to sting. But I think you look at this from the big picture and you say to yourself, freaking Texas Tech just played for a national championship in basketball. Now, on Monday, I put up a tweet with our preview from Matthew Postens, who does awesome work. I mean, kudos to Matthew. What a great job he did covering the uh, Big 12 hoop scene for us. And I said, you know, tell me you're not shocked or something along those lines. How shocked are you, Tech's playing for a national title tonight, along with a link to our preview of the game? 
And my point was to not say, and every tech fan comes back going, I'm not shocked. I'm not surprised. It's like, okay, let me see your bet in Vegas back in November where you had the Texas Tech Red Raiders winning the national championship. Could I see that, please? Because I'm pretty sure many of you didn't make it. I'm not saying I'm shocked that Tech made it as of last week, all right? Like even two weeks ago, three weeks ago. I'm not shocked. But for a team that was picked to finish seventh in the Big 12 Conference, losing five seniors, and after getting itself one year following a trip to the Elite Eight over to the Final Four and then the National Championship game is outstanding, okay? And yes, it is shocking. When you think of the Big 12 and you think of basketball, you think when it comes to national titles, one team. And we all know who that one team is, all right? It's the Kansas Jayhawks. And I don't say that as a nose in the air. Like, I don't care who it is. I just want the Big 12 to do well. But you think of KU when you think of Big 12 hoops. And the fact that Chris Beard can change that and the fact that the Big 12 recaps an outstanding season on the basketball court, playing for a national title, minutes away from winning one. Ken Palm had him as the highest-rated conference in America. All the depth. You win the NIT. You almost win the national championship. Uh, It was a great year for this conference, which I get. Ask any conference or any uh, fan base outside of KU and ask them and poll them, would you rather win a national title in football or basketball? I think every one of them would say football outside of KU. Might be wrong by that. You might tweet at me and you might say, hey, Pete, no, basketball. No, 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 no. You pull the majority of fans in every Big 12 fan base outside of KU, they'd all rather win a national title in football than in basketball. No doubt in my mind. But I'll say this. It's becoming a hell of a hoops conference. The depth, the excitement with getting to experience uh, the Big 12 tournament now living in Kansas City this past month uh, was outstanding. The atmosphere is incredible. The fan bases are great. Kansas City is a great location for it. Getting to see all that firsthand was uh, as good as it gets. And it was a great year for this conference. And it does have a lot to be proud of and hang its hat on. So kudos to the Big 12. There's reason to believe that uh, things are only going to continue to improve for this conference for many of these teams next year. Tech might take a step back. But we'll talk to Matthew Postens about that coming up here in just a few minutes on the show. Uh, Let me say this, though. You know, I do a morning show in Kansas City on KCMO Talk Radio as well. I wake up early, 3.30, 3.45. I woke up. I I hung on through the whole day, through the whole game Monday, Texas Tech and Virginia. I fell asleep with about two minutes left in overtime. Woke up 45 minutes after the game ended. And I'm sorry, but the NCAA, for all of its warts, its biggest wart might be a 9.20 Eastern, 8.20 Central start time to this game. You had one shining moment, play at about uh, 11.30 Central on Monday night, 12.30 Eastern. One shining moment is one of the great moments of, of the entire sporting calendar. From the cheesy song to the uplifting music, everything about it, it's a great moment. What kids are watching that? You know, the East Coast kids, it's 1230 at night. The Central Time kids, it's 1130. Okay, say the game doesn't go to overtime. It's 11 o'clock. It's midnight on the East Coast. Who's watching it? It is absurd 
That's the NCAA, for all its incompetencies, cannot figure out that they are starting this game way too damn late. You know, I looked it up. 78% of the country lives in eastern or central time zones. 78%. That's a ridiculous number. You are catering to a West Coast viewer who does not give a rip about college basketball. Ask a Pac-12 fan if they even exist anymore uh, about college basketball. Would they have uh, two teams in the NCAA tournament? Pac-12's a joke. It's been a joke now for the past couple of seasons in football and in basketball, for that matter. They are not college football fans out there. The Mountain Time Zone does not have a lot of people. And you are catering these events to a small portion of the country, which, by the way, is not nearly as in tune or does not care about this game in these moments as much as the other two time zones. They don't. And I'm getting sick and tired of falling asleep, and I know I wake up early, but my goodness. And yes, I could take a nap. I get it. I've heard of a nap. I could take a nap. It's entirely possible I could do that. But it doesn't change the point, all right? The point is the NCAA has got to wake up here and stop with these ridiculously timed national championship games or do this. Here's a novel idea. Great concept. Play the final four games on a Thursday night and then play the championship game on a Saturday night. And you can do your little 920 shtick and away we go. You might think that prime time during the weekday is more valuable. Fine. You can feel that way. But I'm telling you right now, you'd have a better product. And the NCAA tournament, or the NCAA is living off this tournament. The tournament basically runs itself. It drives itself on ratings. But just be careful what you wish for. Just ask baseball how it's working out. You know, with all these late starts in the World Series the past 15 years and what that's done to that sport. Just be just be careful, okay? Because it doesn't always go as well as you think it's going to go. And you're potentially buying short-term uh, gains on the advertising side for long-term failures. And I do not want to see the NCAA go down that road because this tournament and this sport is too good for that. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Hope your week is going well. And let's uh, recap what was an exciting season of basketball here in the Big 12 Conference. Matthew Postens will be with us next on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Well, unfortunately for the Texas Tech Red Raiders, coming up short in the national championship game against the Virginia Cavaliers in overtime on Monday night. Here to talk about it and recap a thrilling season for the Red Raiders and the and the Big 12 in general is Matthew Postens, as he has each and every week. I'm Pete Mundo. And Matthew, you know, this game on Monday night, uh, so many big moments we can point to. Where did you see this game turn for Texas Tech? Well, in terms of the overall result, I mean, in regulation, that Hunter three was just huge. And, you know, at that point, Tech had gone ahead by three. It kind of felt like everything was kind of rolling their way. You know, them being as good a team as they are defensively, you kind of felt like they can get a stop or at the very least, you know, keep uh, keep uh, Virginia from shooting a three because they had been shooting threes well all night. It had primarily been Guy and Jerome that had been doing so. 
but them kicking the ball out to Hunter and him hitting the baseline three there with about 12 seconds to go, even though Tech had time to do something with it and they were unable to, uh, it, it gave Virginia a huge boost going into overtime. And Tech did take the lead momentarily in overtime with that Matt Mooney three, and I think they even pushed the lead out to four points. But once Virginia got the lead back in overtime and started going to the free throw line, it was lights out. They went to 12 for 12 from the free throw line in overtime. But that 103, absolutely huge. Uh, they could not have gotten to overtime without it. Matthew Poston's joining us. Uh, Matthew, you know, as you look back on this night, uh, if you're a Texas Tech fan and this run in general, what are you going to think back to with this team and this run? Well, I, I think the first thing I'm going to think about is just that we got there. I mean, if you're a Red Raiders fan, you've never gotten this far in the NCAA tournament. You've never been to the Final Four. You'd only been to the Elite Eight one time, and that was last year before this year. So their success in basketball has not been particularly consistent nor great. So win or lose, I think Tech fans were just thrilled with the opportunity to go to Minneapolis and be a part of the Final Four. Secondarily, I think you're going to look at the way Tech played overall and be very happy with how this team played, with the exception of Jarrett Culver. And, and it's not that you know Culver had a a horrible Final Four; it's that you know he he was obviously the focus of both Michigan State's and Virginia's defensive game plans. And it took him about 25 to 30 30 minutes in each game to figure out how he could be successful based on what they were trying to do to him defensively. Uh, he had good games, but not great games, not the kind of games you expect from your number one player. Fortunately for Tech, pretty much everybody else at various times stepped up and, and gave them offense. You know, Owens and Mooney had big games in the semifinal. Moretti um, had a big game along with uh, Brandon Francis off the bench. Tech's bench was incredible in both games, but they really stood out in the national championship game with Francis scoring 11 and Edwards scoring 12. You know, I knew going into this game their bench was going to be a difference because Virginia just did not really have a bench to speak of. I think Tech outscored them 29-2 to off the bench in this game. So, uh, you know, I think if you're Tech, you're, you're very happy about not just the fact that you got to the Final Four, but just very happy about the direction of the program overall. But certainly – Eventually, once that afterglow wears off, you're going to think about the missed opportunity and think about the fact that Culver, your best player, who's most likely onto the NBA, had a good Final Four, but not a great Final Four. Mm-hmm. Matthew Poston's joining us. Well, you know, Matthew, let's uh, touch on Coach Chris Beard, who who finally got a lot of the national recognition that I, I think those of us that follow him know he's worthy of. Here's a guy who's bounced around every level of college basketball who would sit in the rafters at the Final Four and just dream of coaching there one day, and he came to within a couple of plays of winning a national title. Uh, We talked last week about the rumors, and it doesn't look like he's going anywhere. That's obviously a good thing for the program. But uh, what is it about Coach Beard that that has really put himself and this program on the map the last couple of seasons? Well, I think if you look at every great program and every great coach in the college game, their teams have an identity. You know, if you look at what they do at Kentucky, Calipari's identity is wrapped up in one-and-done players. He coaches them well. He gets them in the right frame of mind in in February and March, and he usually has success with them. Uh, If you look at Bill Self, you know, he's a guy that really wants to play inside out, pound the ball inside, establish the inside game, and then move the ball back out so they could make threes and long twos. With Chris Beard, his identity is wrapped up in defense, 
and discipline. And that's one of those things that never goes out of style in college basketball. You know, when we went into this season and the coaches ranked them as seventh in the conference going in, we did that on the basis of the fact that they lost five seniors and they lost, I think, their four top scorers. Uh, we knew that Culver would be a better player. I don't think we counted on how Moretti would develop, how Odiase would develop, how Mooney and Owens would you know, assimilate themselves into the system. We didn't count on Francis's development, nor did we count on Edwards's development late in the uh, season. So what we've seen now is that Chris Beard, with his focus on defense and discipline, this isn't a good team. This is a good program now, and that's what I wanted to see from them this year as to whether or not Chris Beard was building something to last in Lubbock. When you think about what he's focused on, when you think about how those players developed, and you think about what they have coming in in terms of recruiting this coming year, I think it's the number 11 or 12 recruiting class in the country, he's building a program in Lubbock, and he's building something that's going to sustain and last and be a player in not just the Big 12, but on the national scene as long as he's there. Mm-hmm. Matthew Poston's with us. All right, Matthew, Big 12 in general this season. They get to the big, they get to the national championship game. Tech comes up short. Uh, but I saw this week, you know, Ken Palm had the Big 12 rated as the top conference in the country for college hoops when he does his whatever uh, uber technical analysis that he has that most of us don't understand. But, you know, when you get a look back on this season for the Big 12 Conference, I mean, is it about, is the story about Tech, is the story about Kansas uh, not winning the Big 12 and the fact that the conference still gets to a national title? Is it about the depth? I mean, what is this conference now when you look back on this year and and analyze it and think about it? Well, I think Tech's going to be the big story because 20 years from now you're going to go back and look at the history books and see that Texas Tech got all the way in the national championship game. Uh, secondarily, I don't think it's so much about Kansas not winning the conference in the regular season as it is about the depth in this conference, the fact that they were able to put six teams in the tournament, the fact that uh, two others went to the NIT. And then I think overall you look at the Big 12 and you include the women in this too. Tech got to the national championship game. Baylor won an incredible women's championship game. Texas won the men's NIT. TCU got to the final four of the women's NIT. Beard was the AP National Coach of the Year, and Kim Mulkey at Baylor was the USDWA Women's Coach of the Year. So when you think about all of that from that perspective, it really, it really was a banner year for this conference, both on the men's side and the women's side, because at least one team got to that, that high level in each of those tournaments. And it just shows you how deep and how talented this conference is. And when you look at it from that perspective, it's really no surprise that the Big 12 is the number one team conference in men's college basketball and one of the best in women's college basketball as well well he's uh matthew post and matthew you know it's been fantastic to just get your analysis uh, on this conference and obviously everything we do at heartlandcollegesports.com but heck of a season for the big 12 i mean your work was awesome of course we now turn our attention to uh, football in many ways, spring games this weekend and whatnot. But I'll let you kind of have the floor here just for the last uh, last minute or so on on the season that was and, you know, where it all goes from here for Big 12 hoops. Well, I, I think when you look at what's coming in and what's going out, um, I think this conference overall has the chance to be better next year. Um, Tech might take a step back, but they're not going to take a significant step back uh, Kansas is probably going to lose Diedrich Lawson to the NBA. 
that's okay because they have a group of stellar young guards and they have scholarships to recruit with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iowa State, as long as Kalen Horton Tucker and Lindell Wayington decide to stay for another year, I think they're going to be in the mix for another title. And I think Texas is the team, and I know we say this every year, but I think Texas is the team that could make a significant jump into that top three or four next year. They're probably going to lose Jackson Hayes to the NBA, but every one of their good young players is coming back. They got them all great experience in that NIT. I think it was the best thing for them as a program in terms of development. I know they were upset they didn't make the NCAA tournament, but I think from a development standpoint, it's the best thing for them. And with that recruiting class they have coming in, they have the potential to be a 25-win team and to be real competitive in this conference. I think Oklahoma State makes a jump. I think West Virginia makes a jump. I think Oklahoma State makes a bigger jump because they have experience coming back at that senior level with Lindy Waters, Cameron McGriff, and uh, Thomas Diagua. TCU might take a slight step back, but I think overall this is going to be a really good conference next year. Uh, I love what they're doing with the Big East Challenge. West Virginia is going to play St. John's. Uh, I hope that game's in New York City just for Bob Huggins' sake since he seems to love being in New York mm-hmm. City. But I think the conference is on a path to be one of the best conferences again next year and to potentially have another team in the final four. Matthew Poston's always good to chat. Matthew, great stuff. Thanks so much, man. Thanks, Pete. Coming up, some final thoughts as we wrap up the show on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Well, we've got a few more minutes left in the show here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. I'm Pete Mundo. Thanks for joining us. Hope your week is going well. And, you know, with UCLA hiring Mick Cronin from Cincinnati, what a disastrous job search this was for UCLA. Could they strike out? This reminded me of the Tennessee football opening a couple of years ago with the Greg Schiano mess. They tried to get every coach under the sun, Jeff Brom, everybody else, and they struck out miserably. This reminded me of that. And they tried to poach like half the Big 12 coaches apparently. You know, there was interest in uh, – a lot of interest in Jamie Dixon. Those things fell apart, thankfully. Then Lon Kruger was rumored to be part of the coaching search. Chris Beard was early on, but that went away quickly. It's like it was ridiculous how many of these guys were tied to the UCLA job in the Big 12. And for that matter, guys like Rick Marnes with former Big 12 ties. Jamie Dixon, I I understand why he had a pull there. Him and his wife are from the area. Parents are there. Uh, it is a blue blood job. But let's not kid ourselves. UCLA is not the job it was even five, ten years ago. It's just not. The Pac-12 does not care about basketball outside of Arizona, and I guess UCLA. But the Pac-12 stinks at basketball. In general, the Pac-12 conference, when we talk about football or basketball, is by far the fifth of the Power Five conferences. It's it's just not in good shape. It's not a healthy conference when you compare it to the other Power Fives. And, you know, I think that people look at that job, and yes, they think of John Wooden, but that was a long time ago, man. And I also don't blame TCU. I mean, good for TCU for standing its ground and being like, why are we going to lower this $8 million buyout? Why are we going to bother again to lower the buyout, to help out a guy that wants to uh, leave our position, leave our university for someone else? Why would we do that? 
You know, Jamie Dixon said he was committed here. He's an alum here. We brought him in here expecting a decent tenure. We're not going to be like, you know what, Jamie, you want to leave? All right, we'll lower your buyout to uh, $4 million. What is the benefit to TCU? Being good guys? No. It's it's one of the things that drives me nuts about all college sports. None of these guys honor a contract. None of them do. And they all seem to get away with it time and time again. And good for TCU for saying, no, you know what, UCLA, you want them? You know the buyout. It's eight million bucks. Okay, you can pay it or you can move on in your search. But we're not lowering the buyout to help you out. Why would we do that? Tell me the benefit to TCU. Oh, they don't want to deal with the awkwardness of Jamie Dixon. Jamie Dixon's a professional. He will do a professional job, and he will continue to do a professional job because you signed a contract, you agreed to it. They don't want to pay your buyout. Sorry, buddy. Do the job you were hired to do and that you willingly took. And I've heard a lot of people say, well, it's a lower-tier Big 12 job. It is. You know what? It was also a lower-tier Big 12 job in basketball when Jamie Dixon took it. It's not like he walked into this job and was like, geez. Now, I know he's lost Chris Del Conte, who was a rock star AD, and he's now at Texas. That stinks. But you took the job knowing what it was. I don't want to hear any woe is me, Jamie Dixon stuff. I, I'm just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to accept it. No way, no how. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Um, there's been a lot of discussion as well lately around this conference in terms of Spring ball, the way they schedule these games is crazy. You know, you have a situation where you have eight spring games, or is it is it eight this weekend? Seven or eight this weekend on Saturday the 13th. Why? You know, recruits go to these things, and I know that, you know, OU or Texas, they're going to schedule their spring game, and they don't care when um, – a team like Kansas or Kansas State or Texas Tech holds its spring game. They don't care. But if I'm the middle pack, middle of the pack Big 12 team, why are you scheduling your spring game the same weekend as all these other teams? I would just bump it back a week. I know it might not be ideal. Maybe you got to spread out the practices that you have. But you literally have seven or eight Big 12 games or Big 12 spring games this weekend. I know uh, Iowa State's not having one. TCU didn't have one last week. And Kansas State is having a practice. So I'm still debating whether or not I'm going to get out to Manhattan uh, this weekend because you know I live in Kansas City. I'm going to go to KU at night. But, I, you know, do I want to go watch guys run three-cone drills? You know, I mean, <laughs> do you want me to do it? Hit me up on Twitter at Pete Mundo. And it's not that I don't want to go to K-State. It's more just, uh, am I going to drive two and a half hours to K-State to watch guys do cone drills? That's what I'm kind of internally debating with myself and have been all week long. I really wish K-State was doing a spring game because I'd love to see Skylar Thompson in action. I've heard great things. We had Tim Fitzgerald on to talk about how he was looking. I want to see all that. Uh, but it's like to see him throw out routes to guys with nobody even rushing them or anything, eh, I'm not sure I'm, I'm quite there yet. Eh, just not sure I'm quite there yet. If you haven't checked out Derek Duke's mailbag on heartlandcollegesports.com, please do. We are back with it. He is doing a fantastic job uh, covering the Big 12 Conference on the football side, and he is answering all of your questions every Tuesday. Or, excuse me, on Monday he answers the questions. We release the mailbag on Tuesdays on heartlandcollegesports.com. 
and uh, he did a fantastic job with it this week as well, talking about whether or not the Big 12 is moving away from the air raid, which is you know being discussed now with K-State and Kansas um, and Neil Brown. So very interesting discussion there. Be sure to check it out on heartlandcollegesports.com. Also, some big news for the website before we let you go. You know, this is something I've wanted to do for a very long time. I've wanted to add forums to heartlandcollegesports.com for a very long time. And for whatever reason, I kept going back and forth. Do I do it? Do I not? Is it the right thing to do? I finally said, you know what? Screw it. We're doing it. So we have forums dropping this week on heartlandcollegesports.com. Go to the website. Click on the forums tab at the top. Sign up. And we want you to be part of our conversation, talking to other Big 12 fans, having debates, having discussions. Please do it in a somewhat professional manner. And I think it's a great chance for Big 12 fans to get together, to get to know each other, to share ideas, to share conversations, to kind of make it more of an inside um, inside club. It's going to be free. It's not going to cost you anything. So we hope to see you on our forums at heartlandcollegesports.com. Have a great week. We'll do it again next week, same time, same place, right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. 2,000 country stations, yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right. Well, thanks as always, guys, for listening to the show. Please do leave us a rating, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and I will get you the free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. I promise you I'll do it. So really appreciate you guys. Have a uh, great rest of the week, and we'll talk to you next week right here on heartlandcollegesports.com.